Storygoers, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge, the video game storytelling podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I will be other co-host, Ryan Bauer. Ryan, it's another beautiful day in Maine. Mm-hmm. It's sure finally is. getting warm. Mm-hmm. The, su- the snow has died a horrible death, <laughs> as murdered. it always does and should. <laughs> Mur- murdered by the sun. Yeah. Uh, it's a murder we all just seem to not look at or acknowledge, because... Uh, Anyway, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> what have you been playing? <laughs> I, I'm doing all right. I'm doing pretty good. Um, like you said, the, it's a beautiful day. I'm excited to go take the pup for a walk in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've been just kind of relaxing this morning, recovering it. I found that after a long week of work, it takes me like a half a day just to get back to normal human status, <laughs> and then and then I can yeah. start like doing things. But so I'm 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 bad that I'm bad at that point. So that feels good. Um, as far as what I've been playing, I think the exact same thing as last week. Stardew, <laughs> Stardew, a bunch of Stardew whenever we can. We're on year two. We've we just got our first rabbit, in our, and we've got so many Ooh. ducks. We're actually naming all the ducks after the Finger Lakes. So we're hoping to get up to oh. 11 ducks, um, which is maybe an obscene amount of ducks. Um, but Stardew's <laughs> going great. And then uh, I... Did I play any Valheim this week? I, I've, I've done a little bit on my own. Like, I play with our friend Dave, and we have, like, a world, but he hosts the world, so if he's not on, I can't play. So I started this little, like, oh. side world just to gather materials and gather things. And then eventually I stopped. I, like, I wasn't gathering a ton of materials because as I was gathering, I was, like, building cool stuff, like, just in my free time. And now I've just gone to, like, <laughs> fully building this really huge castle and, like, surrounding area, just kind of passing that time because that's something i really enjoy doing so that's that's it i've just been stardew and uh valheim but how are you what have you been playing yeah i'm good too work is work is work which is good my uh my girlfriend and i bought a couch a a big adult investment which is great yeah Yeah. thanks it has a i didn't realize the so the the one attachment to a uh like a sectional that has like the kind of it's like the bed-esque not like a sleeper like you pull it out like it literally is like that like kind of like long couch part you can kind of lay on or whatever it's spelled c-h-a-s-e so you think it's chase right so i'm walking around talking about these chases pointing this chase pointing that chase realizing that it's actually pronounced chase (laughs) like with the s (laughs) so i'm talking look at this chase look at this chase the guy goes yeah this chase is very nice and i was like wait what (laughs) (laughs) so you know you learn and you grow as an adult you know slowly over time so story goers if you plan on getting a couch soon just know that the chase is actually pronounced chase, uh, which is dumb. So, uh, or you know, if you want to be really cool, pronounce it chase or something stupid, <laughs> like I plan to next time, just to be stupid. <laughs> um, as for games, though, I uh, finally beat Fury. Last time in our Fury episode, I admitted that I did not beat Fury uh, before the episode came out, even though I'd been in the game forever ago. But I wanted to beat it before we released our episode, and I couldn't. But I finally beat the game. It felt so good, and I beat. There's DLC I didn't even know oh. about in the game. And it's interesting because, so, the DLC came out for all the platforms it came out on. So, like, the PlayStation, I think it's also Switch, and then Xbox. Um, but when I started the DLC, it just immediately straight, sent me to a, a fight. And it was really, like, it came out of nowhere. And I did some research, and the story part of this DLC is only available on the Xbox version, which I thought was super weird. And spoilers for Fury, goals for our Fury episode if you haven't listened to it, or if you've already played it, then cool, you can stick around and listen to this part. Or if you don't even care about being spoiled, then that's good too, I guess, whatever. So in the DLC, as the stranger is walking into his like ship before he gets in like his mech suit to, to go off into space, this last jailer comes out from above and you guys fight in the in the ship. You like, kind of go down into the ship and fight in the ship, and he's like this person that 
he's kind of alluding to the fact he's met the stranger and now he's kind of like this rope half cyborg person and it's because of the stranger and he resents him so much and so it like adds to the story that wasn't really in like the main story when it first came out so that was really cool but it's not available on the playstation version that i played i thought that was kind of bizarre and a little yeah. disappointing yeah like if you didn't know any better you just thought this was like a random boss fight you can do to enjoy the game more so i don't know I, that, that stuff as a storytelling podcast for video games that that made me feel a little bit like bleh like you know why would you take that away from people who enjoy the game on another version than the xbox but whatever i don't know that's not my thing um so fury's over work was crazy this week but i finally today started Ratchet and Clank. Woo. I finally started Ratchet and Clank. Woo! It's free on PlayStation. I'm sure many storygoers know. Uh, but yeah, I, I had downloaded a while ago and I, and now my, my slate is clean. I was like, let's do this. I jumped in. It's a lot of fun. It's a very cute game. Like, it's not hard. Um, no, yeah, you've been on the hardest yeah, setting. Hard, no. even, yeah. I was actually going to ask you that. Like, you played on the hardest setting because I picked normal. I, I think I picked normal too and it's silly easy. Um, you Mm-hmm. Like, I think the hardest setting of that game is probably equivalent to, like, easy or normal in the original, because the original is kind of tough, but yeah. So, crank it right up. I'm, I might have to do that. I don't know if you can change it mid, oh, midway. I'll try, because it's been super easy. But, like, it's very cute. And and honestly, we we covered the original Ratchet and & Clank, and I, I told this to Ryan before we, we recorded this, that I enjoy Ratchet so much more in this new version than I did in the original. I think that like, he had his like weird two, two, early two thousands charm to him in the original <laughs> game. You know, like he was kind of that person, and like he had all of this like you know teen angst almost. I would want to describe it as that. You know, but he has a heart of gold, and he he comes around at the end. But in this one, like you're, it's so in the new one, the two thousand fifteen or sixteen one, um, he's so much more uh, compelling, I guess, in his in his goals and that and uh, admiration and aspirations. Just goals. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm enjoying it way more. I'm on the, the, you know, excluding the first world that you actually start on, I'm on the first world you, like, land on in the game, if that makes sense. Um, I'm having a really good time. I'm, really, I'm, really, I'm, I'm hoping to finish it, like, relatively fast. I'm going to play more later, I think, because um, it's kind of a nice, easy weekend. I want to just relax and... I, as, a, as I'm realizing now, uh, my job has become more and more hard. And actually, Ryan, when you said that it takes you about half a day to kind of readjust to being a human again, I feel the exact same way. <laughs> I feel like this whole morning's been like crazy. Oh, not crazy. But just kind of like, I'm almost like resetting myself. Like I like a, like a router or a motor or something stupid like that. You know, like, and then I feel like, okay, yeah. now I feel normal again. I can mm-hmm. like, readjust. Which, I don't know, says a lot about our society. <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking about that today. <laughs> right, 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 right. But Ryan, I'm glad you're doing well. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that. And Storygoers, we hope you are doing well as also. Uh, sorry. And Storygoers, we hope you are doing well also. Uh, it's April. Hopefully, it's beautiful weather for you as well as it is for us here. Um, we hope you enjoyed our latest episode of Fury. I was really proud of that edit. I think. And uh, Ryan, I gotta say, you've done many great voices for this podcast. You really do a fantastic job. But I think your performance in Fury, with all the voices you did, you just did you great. You killed it. Like you did so good. Um, the chain's voice when we kind of like added the effects to it. It was so good. It was so good. It was probably my favorite voice we've ever ever had. It was so cool. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. If you listen to the game and then listen to to Ryan's uh, uh, Ryan's performance on the podcast, like they are so similar. It's awesome. It, I was so proud of that when we were editing it. I was like, man, Ryan did so good. Um, the editing so yeah, did some did lifting some there as well. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, any help, too, of course. But, but I mean, like, if you look at the original game, too, there's no way you can replicate that without editing. So, like, the, you know, we did the exact same thing they did, and it turned out 
equally if not better, I think. Sorry, Game Bakers. (laughs) 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 Great game. Um, Also, March was our best month ever Ever. for Tales of the Cartridge. Yes. Ryan, I'm sorry. You have the number in front of you again? Um, Yeah. So total downloads for the month of March was 232, which is our highest yet. And that includes the month of August when we launched. Now, it was a short month of only, I think we launched with like a week left, but we launched five episodes um Mm -hmm. at the same time so we've eclipsed that which is really cool really really exciting yeah i mean even september where we had the five episodes out already plus all the new ones we came out with you think that would be our highest one so far but yeah we for march alone with for the four or i think five actually five episodes that we released in march of this year 2021 we had the most downloads ever which is amazing it is so cool and again we talked about this last time i think uh, with the kind of you see where people are listening from around the, the world through this app that we're using to track it and every week there is just like a new country popping up somewhere which is like just amazing it is so cool like brazil we see you you know what i mean like how cool someone in brazil <laughs> yeah. is listening to us that's amazing that's so cool. like you said i think we said last night finland and spain and france mm-hmm. russia even which is like what like yeah, so cool australia mm-hmm. illinois <laughs> not, not a country, but a state. And I said it right this time. So, story goers, if you're in Illinois and you're listening, thank you. And I'm sorry, I butchered the name of your state in the last episode. So, uh, and of course, Canada. Canada's always been a huge supporter of us for some reason, which is awesome. I said for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, and story goers, thank you so much for continuing to support us in, in this endeavor. And, and just you listening is, is means the world to us. So, it's, again, thank you. It, the fact that all the podcasts that, we're out before the pandemic, and we're started during the pandemic. You <laughs> are listening to us. That that really means so much to us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, you can send us your thoughts, feelings, and or perspectives to talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. What is it, Ryan? All of the E's are threes. All the E's are threes. I just like it now. I know that we talked about it. I kind of have to keep it. All the E's are threes. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Comment. Or DM us, let us know what you think about the games that we've covered, or will be covering, and we will happily share those on the show. We really love talking about those things, so please do. Um, it's always fun to talk about other people's perspectives. And we're not going to judge. We're just going to talk about it, and we agree or disagree, but in a really respectful way. And if you do that, if you send us your thoughts, feelings, and your perspectives, you can earn a free Tales from the Cartridge sticker through our sticker initiative. Uh, if you feel comfortable giving us your address, we'll send you a free sticker, and maybe a cool little card saying thank you from us. Um, and, and don't worry, we're not going to send you anything else. I can barely send anything out for myself. So <laughs> you are safe from any kind of ads or anything like that. I promise you that is not going to happen. Um, so yeah. So today, though, on our DLC episode for March, for April 2021. Sorry, I'm still in March, apparently. It's okay. Uh, we are talking about... <laughs> Actually, Ryan, you want to announce what our, our topic sure, is? Sure, sure. So for the month of April, our DLC will be the most compelling villains in games. And there are a ton out there. We tried to try our best to pick some that are interesting or different and some that are just obviously well-known because good villains are good villains. Most compelling villains. How, how would you want to just define that, I guess, for storygoers? So before this episode comes out, when they have a chance to write in, like, how would we... But I guess for me, most compelling kind of means, like, who are the, the characters that, in their, right, in their minds, they are right on, on the path that they are taking? You know, like they are okay with what they are doing, uh... Because in their mind, they're doing the right thing. When really, 
it's not a good thing. Like you're really they're hurting people in their in their path, but they can't see that. That's like you know the best villains are the ones who see themselves as a hero. It's kind of my thought. But what what did you think, Ren? Yeah. Kind of- so my my kind of drive for compelling was just characters that or villains that are feel interesting and and fully formed and make you want to continue along the story both to move further as a protagonist but also to learn more about this antagonist or have more experiences with this antagonist almost that villain is a is a feature of the game that you cannot miss or will not want to miss or something along those lines yeah yeah i think that's very similar then yeah for both our perspectives mm-hmm. here yeah because typically yeah the most compelling ones the ones that are, are the ones that we are so much more interested in because their their yeah. views or their goals are so interesting those are the best villains the ones you love to hate kind mm-hmm. of thing so mm-hmm. cool all right so i think we're on the same page here which yeah. is which is good so but again story goes if you have any compelling villains that you would like to share with us uh, please let us know and hopefully by the end of this episode we have something to share <laughs> so um so we'll start with our honorable mentions for our most compelling villains these are the ones that you know are pretty uh, they they compel us but just not to the oomph degree if that makes sense yeah so yeah, well, Ryan, you want to start us on your honorable mentions? Oh, and also, Eric, do we want do we need to put like a spoiler because for a lot of these villains, oh, yes, just yes, their yes, existence yes. or the things they do is going to lead to some spoilers or us talking about spoilers. So as we announce the villains, we'll announce the game. If that's something you don't want spoiled or you want to miss, um, just just skip ahead, um, and we can skip like a five minute mark. You know yeah. what I mean? Typically, take about five minutes. I think per. Per yeah, villain. That feels know? fair. So yeah, just keep like five minutes. We'll do our best to not spoil, but you know, if we have to, we will. But just be warned, you know. So my first honorable mention, with that spoiler in mind, is Ori in the Blind Forest, who is a character we just very recently talked about in one of our recent episodes. Um, and the reason I choose Kuro is because of what we talked about in that episode is just how developed and fully formed this character was. How it was this evil, foreboding, spooky owl character who then once we learn more about them, we were still terrified by them. And in some ways they seemed humanized. I don't know if humanized is the right words, but we saw why they were making, doing the things they were doing. It made sense why they were the things they were doing. And also for me, in some ways, that made her more terrifying because of that drive she has because, uh, what, because of why she's doing what she's doing. Yeah, when we covered the game and the, and the reveal came out as to why Kuro is doing what Kuro is doing, that made it just like literally was like the last puzzle piece it just went in and it all made so much sense it was so much more compelling it wasn't just the scary owl terrorizing everybody for the sake of terrorizing them this is a hurt owl this is an owl that was really hurt by something uh, that was really emotional for them and so what Kuro was doing made so much sense and honestly it was kind of justifiable in a way like uh, i mean it's never good to hurt others uh but like from Kuro's perspective, it made total sense as to why she was doing what she was doing. So, yeah, a good pick. Honestly, as when, when we talked about Ori in, in the Blind Forest, I still have not played that game, though I want to. Kuro is such a compelling character, and I love what happens at the end of that game and the setup for the next one. I would love to see how Kuro's actions affect all the characters moving on. Yeah, that's so compelling. It's such a great... Great, ba- great one to start with, honestly, because Kuro is such a cool one to start mm-hmm. with, for sure. Yeah. But Eric, was your first honorable mention? My first honorable mention, and this is a game I haven't played in a significant amount of time, but it's one that's always stuck with me, and I want to go back eventually, um, was Voss from Far Cry 3. Um, and Voss was just this unapologetic asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the best way to put it, because he really is just like the biggest jerk. Like, he really is awful. Um, 
And what is so compelling about Voss is that he knows it. Like he just he's unapologetic, and it's always that famous line. It's like it's that line I swear that it caught fire around the world. <laughs> the, and I'm sure story goes, you're already shaking your head because you don't want to hear it, but here it goes. It's the uh, what's the definition of insanity? And it's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I swear, people who don't even play games knew that line, which is like how impactful Voss was as a character in, in a game like this. And what made Voss so interesting to me, at least, and I'm curious what you think, Ryan, about this, is that Voss knew he was a jerk, knew he, what everything he was doing was wrong, but because I think he felt so, he felt so okay with his actions because he was always doing something different. He was like almost ahead of the game for everybody else that justified his poor actions. If you base off the insanity quote, like if you're doing the same thing and expecting different results, Voss is always doing something different. He was always, you didn't know what he was planning on doing next. And I think in Voss's mind, from, from my perspective at least, that justified his actions in the game as to what he was doing. It was okay that he was hurting other people. It was okay he was enslaving people and killing people because he, I think he felt so superior in the fact that he was always trying something different and being better than everybody else. It's like a kind of a um, you know, God complex in a sense, I think, for, for Voss, which is why he's so compelling. Um, and it's why you wanted to, to take him down, at least for me, so badly. As much as I liked interacting with Voss, as much of a character as... As funny and, and interesting as he was, he also was just like the the worst of the worst. Um, so that's why I found, he, I found him so compelling and almost understandable in his insanity. You know, he wasn't. He, he it's funny because he ex explains insanity as doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Ryan, what do you think about Voss? Yeah, I think Voss is a really compelling character. I think he's taking this idea and the Far Cry games as a series have done a really incredible job of making really compelling, interesting villains. Um, antagonist. And I'm really excited to see what they do in this next one because they just, across the board, I, I haven't played Far Cry 2 in even longer than Far Cry 3, so I can't speak to that one, but every villain after that was so compelling and interesting. Um, but mm -hmm. Voss, I think, is certainly the epitome of that, this 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 character who is, has this idea so intensely and he just takes it to its absolute extreme. He 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 takes this, this thing that he embodies and just pushes it to its limits out of beyond what we would deem to be something that is normal or sane in such an interesting way. To a point where you always want to see what is Voss doing? Where is he and why is he? And every interaction with Voss is compelling and interesting and he's just a very well-written character. Yeah, first of my honorable mentions, but Ryan, we're on to your second. What is your second honorable mention? Okay, so this is also a very, very big pull from a long, long time ago. And hopefully there are people who will know this so much better than I do. But um, back in the day, World of Warcraft, um, very good. World of Warcraft I didn't play much of, but Warcraft, like the RTS I played a ton of. And Warcraft 2 specifically, which focuses on Arthas, this prince, this king. Um, who is kind of wants to save his people and in trying to save his people he kind of makes a deal with the devil more or less he he embodies this evil that then you know takes over the world so um, the lich king from warcraft he is a character who had these really honorable goals he wanted to save his people of this plague that was just taking over the land but he was willing to do things anything in order to stop this plague from from t killing taking over the largest of is this town that he murders in order so that the plague will not spread to them and then spread out from there and that is like the first chink in his armor where after that 
his friends start to kind of move away from him and he becomes further and further plunged deeper and deeper into this hole drawn by this desire to do good but ultimately is is tempted and turned in this really interesting and complex way but for me that arthas lich king dynamic is is so interesting and compelling and it was the first for me the first game where i'd seen a character that complex in a game where they had these good noble deeds but were tempted by power, become evil to fight this thing that they hated, but the thing they became was worse than what they were fighting. Mm-hmm. To be to to kill evil is to become a greater evil mm-hmm. yourself or whatever. The, the yeah, is. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anything about Warcraft, honestly. I think the Lich is the Lich King the one that's like massive blue kind of blue glowing armor you don't see his face the blue sword yeah like super cool design i think the lich, it looks super cool and interesting i didn't realize how much of a tragic history the lich king had that's that's and it's always the best intention i think like i have another another quote i think sorry i'm throwing all these quotes out today. um they said that i've heard before <laughs> yeah, so just full of chuck full of quotes um i think i've heard this one i don't know how true it is but uh i've heard that the, the best ruler is a kind king because, you know, like the king, like, but there's no such thing as typically a kind king, because typically power is corrupting. Um, so it's very interesting, interesting how Arthas is, you know, it sounds like a kind king, but through his actions, there's no such, there's no way to truly be a kind king because you have to do bad things as, as a leader in that regard, I guess. So, yeah, it's hard. I mean, in his attempt to do good, he hurts a lot of people. So really good. <laughs> yeah, I don't became know. Arthas, you gotta check yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good one. I, I didn't even know that, so I'm glad you brought yeah, that up. Warcraft yeah. is such a, yeah, yeah, big, it's a, such big. a massive thing. <laughs> I know some of that stuff is very accurate, but I'm sure there are things that I've missed because I haven't played Warcraft in a very long time. Story girls, don't don't cancel us because of Warcraft. <laughs> Please I mean, don't add us. It's not yeah. worth it. You know, like, don't add us. Or please add us, actually. Please add us. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. Tell us your perspective. Like, you guys are awful at Warcraft. We'll, we'll send you a sticker for it. Yeah, please. That's fine. Okay. But Eric, tell me about your second honorable mention. What a great one. Yeah, it's interesting. And so again, spoilers. Uh, we're about to talk about Bioshock Infinite because the next honorable mention I'm going to mention is Zachary Hale Comstock, a.k.a. Father Comstock. Big spoilers for Bioshock Infinite if you haven't played it. We haven't covered it yet. Um, but it's one, of, like, it's one of my favorite video game stories, I think, ever. It's, it's very, very good. Um, I'll try my best not to spoil too much, but you know, just heads up if you haven't played and you want to be you know, if you want to get the whole experience, I highly recommend the game. It's, what, 2013-ish, I think? I want, in, yeah, yeah. I remember in college uh, watching, it's like Breaking Bad, I think, and the Bioshock Infinite commercial. Like, I was supposed to come out at that time, in the middle, in one of the commercials for, like, Bio, or for Breaking Bad or some big show at the time. Um, and I tweeted about it with my, like, 16 followers, like, because I wasn't, you know, I, I don't have anyone following me. And uh, Irrational Games, which... I think you know, I remember Rick, that. I think I remember I was, that. <laughs> yeah. And I was on cloud nine. It was amazing. I was so happy. Because, like, I was, a, I was a huge Bioshock fan. And Bioshock Infinite looked, you know, amazing to me. And I really enjoyed the game. I know some people were um, disappointed with it. But I think that, from at least a story element, it was amazing and what so and going back to my, my honorable mention now looping all the way back uh what was so compelling about zachary 
Hill Comstock is that no shade thrown to anybody who practice, who is religious or anything like that. I, I, I totally support those things. Um, but we find in Bioshock Infinite how a belief in, uh, a full belief into something can be almost detrimental and in any aspect, even in a not religious aspect. But with Zachary Hale Comstock, uh, his devotion to Christianity really came forward in a negative way for Booker DeWitt and Elizabeth in the game. And we see a lot of imagery and how it's used um, as propaganda to kind of encourage this like um, violence towards Booker because Booker is seen as the um, the person that's going to lead the lamb astray, or the shepherd to lead the lamb, the lamb astray, which is Elizabeth. Um, and these biblical tones that kind of like compel um, Booker, the main character, to be this bad guy. Uh, but in Zachary Hale's, Hale Comstock's mind, Father Comstock's mind, like this is this is what is correct. This is like how it is supposed to be. So in his mind, he's not wrong. But from Booker's perspective, he's kind of manipulating this, this religious belief to incite this violence against him because Father Comstock has other plans. But it's just so interesting how the, the, the belief of an idea can be so compelling and can lead to beautiful and amazing things for somebody, but how dangerous it can be if manipulated or inappropriately. And I think that's a really important lesson to, to know. And I think for Father Comstock and the way that he manipulates um, his religious beliefs, and I don't know if he even would see it that way. I think he fully believes that's how it should be for himself. It's just so interesting to me and how and how a belief can change somebody. Again, please play the game. It is amazing. Because you, you really grow to hate. I, I, I really grew to hate Father Comstock. I, I really did not like Father Comstock in the game. And, and, and through the revelations of that game, you kind of realize, wow, like I'm looking at a mirror of myself in a sense, which is just really powerful and who I could become through a different sense of belief. And that is just a really crazy thing. It, like, wow, if I had, you know, turned right down the road instead of the left, I could have had a very different life than what I did. You know, like it, it makes you really think about all the choices that you made and all the choices you are going to make and the impacts that can have on your life. And it's just so super compelling. It's just, yeah, it, it blows my mind. So, Ryan, what are your thoughts on, on Father Comstock? Did you play Bioshock Infinite? I did, yeah. I, it's a, a very good game. Very Again, that story is really compelling. I think Father Comstock, and this is something that is kind of a theme throughout the Bioshock games, is he takes this idea, he takes this narrative, he takes a story, right? And he drives it to its fullest experience or what he believes it should be. And that it, that belief is weaponized. That story is weaponized. That narrative, we as humans who are so drawn to stories and narratives, can be in the same way we learn from them and care about them and experience emotions with them. That can be weaponized and cause us to do these really dangerous, mean, and terrible things. And I think... This game, and specifically um, Father Comstock, does such a great job of, of embodying that, of showing us what that can look like, having us experience that character who has existed throughout times in, in, our, in our history in such a really interesting and compelling way. And again, he believes so fully in what he's doing. At times, you doubt if you're doing the right thing, if you're the one good one in this situation, which I think is a mark of a really compelling and dangerous um, individual. Yeah, yeah, and again, big spoilers because I'm going to say something that could be potentially spoiler to the game. So if you played it, awesome, stay and listen. But if you haven't and you don't want to be spoiled, please, you know, skip ahead a little bit. Um, what's so interesting about Father Comstock is that you know, in a time of his life, he was baptized uh, when you know he was really upset with himself, felt like a murderer, felt like an awful person, and through that baptism, became a new person. You know, his sins were washed away. He's this new person, and that's where these like beliefs and ideals really compound and, and, and kind of define who he is in that moment as this new person. He's not who he was before, and now he's Zachary Hale Comstock. That's why he's so compelling is that he, he doesn't use 
his beliefs knowingly in a negative way to hurt people. He uses his beliefs because those are what he believes is correct. And that's why he's so interesting. He does what he does because he feels that that is the right thing to do fully. You know, he's not a, he's not someone like using something. He's not someone using religion knowingly in a negative way to get what he wants. He's using it because that is how he fully believes is the right thing to do. Um, which is why he's just super duper interesting. Yeah, so that's my that's my second. Ryan, what is your third honorable mention? We have four, by the way, each. Yeah, so. four each. Ryan, yeah, four honorable mentions honorable and then two. Mention? Uh, so my third honorable mention <laughs> is Edgar Ross from Red Dead Redemption. He's this character who you meet pretty early on in the game and effectively, um, again, possible spoilers for Red Dead Redemption. I'm not going to spoil anything too big, but effectively he is the one who finds you and says, "We, I know you've broken laws. Um, and I'm here to make sure you you atone for that and to go out and, and kill your old um, crewmates. And then after that, I will absolve you of your of the evils that you've, you've, you've partaken in. And he as a character is so vital to that story. And he's so compelling in that he is a man of the law. He is recognized by the world as somebody who is doing good and making the world a better and safer place. And what's interesting is he is our antagonist as a character and towards the end of the game that becomes more and more obvious that his belief that the world is not a place for chaos and lawlessness, um, his ultimate goal is to make the world safer. But in doing so, that means there are people who he believes no longer have a place in this world. Um, and that's why he sends you on this task to take them out and to make the world a safer place. Um, but what's interesting is that to us as the character as John Marston in Red Dead Redemption is that is so antithesis to what we believe and what we are trying to do. But we go along with it because it's the only way we can be with our family. Yeah, it's super, super interesting. And I think I think perspective is a huge part of, of Edgar Ross in this game. And I mean, you're right. Like everyone sees him as this, this person that is just this uh, very uh, justice-oriented person. But... Something I actually I think about a lot too, and I think I think this conversation kind of conversation kind of brought that up is like, is justice a truly obtainable thing, and can can one can a society truly agree upon what is justice? Because I think that especially now in, in real life in our in our times right now, not to bring this up in like a you know it's a huge much bigger conversation that we're gonna you know not gonna have right now, but you know I don't think that we could, could we could as a society truly define what justice means. I think everyone has a different perception of that. So we look at Edgar Ross and his perception of justice, that is manipulating outlaws to hurt one another, right? With holding loved ones kind of as the as the prize. And if you don't do this, they'll be taken from you. But then, you know, from a different perspective, you can argue, you know, well, you know, John Marston has done all these awful things, but is that truly justice to manipulate someone and, and with their family who's done nothing wrong? Um, it's scary. It's really scary because, you know, one's person, one person's justice is another person's crime. And it's a very slippery slope to go down because you know and spoilers for red dead redemption it's pretty old game and you know so i'm just gonna spoil it right now if it's cool with you ryan yeah go for Um, it at the end of the game john marston's son jack 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 marston yeah kills i think kills edgar ross i believe right yeah Um, to get revenge for what to get revenge to john Yeah, and, and in that revenge is an act of justice because Edgar Ross took his father away from him. So, was, I mean, I think the idea of justice is never going to be definable. I think that it's also a very dangerous and powerful thing to use against people. And that's what we see with, with Edgar Ross and his actions in Red Dead Redemption. It's so important to get other people's perspectives 
to fully understand something, including a video game story. How we see a story in video games can be totally different than how someone else sees it. And that's super important because then we can talk about those things and we can relate to one another and come to a common ground or even change our perspective. Like see something totally different that we never thought and like, wow, that changes everything for me. And that's a beautiful thing. I think it, you know, not to go down this rabbit hole, but like there's always a negative connotation to things. And I think in that regard, to this regard for perspectives, to be able to change your perspective is, is called like a flip-flopper. And that's always like a negative thing. Like how can you be a flip-flopper? But I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think to be able to fully change your perspective for the better, how can that be a bad thing? I don't think, you know, if you have been called a flip-flopper in your life, I will be the first to defend you because I think that is a beautiful thing to be able to do. So um, Edgar Ross is an awful person. <laughs> how dare he hurt John Marston? Our, our, our precious boy. <laughs> our precious boy. He's just trying to be a good boy. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan, I'm starting to realize that our honorable mentions are much better than I was anticipating. Yeah, <laughs> I, really I'm good starting to feel like maybe my honorable mentions are are more complex and interesting than maybe the ones I chose, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder that myself, actually. I'm a little nervous because like, these honorable mentions are really good. I was like, I'm not sure about these honorable mentions. I feel like they're... Mm, but yeah, now I'm starting to backpedal hard on this. My third uh, honorable mention is Handsome Jack. From Borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel I believe right um which I haven't played still I know it's blasphemy I know I'm sorry I I will get there one day and why Handsome Jack is Handsome Jack reminds me actually a lot about Voss um in terms of just being cunning and manipulative but also doing what I think he feels is right he's also quite out there in his in his thinking and how he proceeds to hurt people for what he feels like is a, a good cause, you know, not only for himself, which is quite selfish in a lot of regards in the story, but what he thinks is bettering the world through his corporation of Hyperion. So, but you know, as funny as Handsome Jack is, which he is hilarious. Like, I mean, the butt stallion joke I think will live on and on in <laughs> history. That's just such a good one. Yeah, I I think what's interesting about Handsome Jack, and I actually I'm Ryan, I'm coming to you. I think this will be spoiler territory now. I think you've mentioned before, because I haven't played the pre-sequel, that we kind of learn a lot about Handsome Jack and his, um, and it kind of almost, not validates his behaviors, but it makes, it kind of makes it more understandable. Yeah, so the is pre-sequel right? is, you're, you're effectively playing Handsome Jack's backstory, um, mm-hmm. and, and how he went from a lowly Hyperion employee to eventually running the company through um, all kinds of all kinds of things, but yeah, yeah, it, it fills in those gaps, and it, it you you watch him change in real time as you play this game from this kind of meek but still um, outgoing individual to this just monster in, in some ways that disregards human life for what he believes is right in, in just a really interesting way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think Handsome Jack is a, is a great. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, all these quotes. I'm just throwing quotes. No, it's okay. I'm no, so sorry. Keep it going. So. Keep it going. I'm sure the story goers were like about to click this episode and said, man, I hope that no one throws out a lot of quotes in this episode. <laughs> I'm just not in the mood. And they picked the wrong episode. Absolute power is corruption absolute. I think we see that in Handsome Jack. You know, he has, he, he gains all this power through becoming the head of Hyperion and through that power and through that position is a lot of power. And we see that in his behavior. So he can do whatever he wants. He can kill whoever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. And again, a dangerous slope. And when you have all that power and you want to change the world by any means necessary, you know, there comes a lot of questionable, questionable behaviors. And we see that with Handsome Jack and his, and his desire to kill people and his spoilers, 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 his manipulation of his daughter and her power. Um, 
and how in his mind that was okay, which is, you know, not, you know, and we you see that in Borderlands 2 as to why that's happening. So very interesting and, and, and compelling character. I'm, you know, spoilers again, you know, he's dead. And that sucks because he's so funny and so good. He's such a charming and interesting villain. I would love to have him come back for Borderlands 3 and, and been that, you know, villain that really stuck around and, and then you kind of got to it. But um, it is what it is. And I think, you know, yeah, I, I, he was a, probably the best villain, I think, in Borderlands so far. So we'll see. Ryan, your last of the four honorable mentions. Yes. Yeah, so this is this was a late ad. Um, it's because I was kind of doing some research and I found this character and, and I'd forgotten how interesting this character is. Um, so this is from The Witcher 3. And I don't think this is a, a, a character who you meet through the course of the main game but really shines in, in one of the DLCs, the Hardest Stone. Hardest Stone? Hardest Stone, I think, DLC. But Guntro Dim. And what makes this character so interesting is, um, similar to maybe some of my other mentions I'll mention in the future, is just they have this incredible amount of power, and they seem to just do whatever they want with it. One of the things that Gunter Odim does when you first meet him, well, the, the, the setup is you're trapped, you're headed to your death, there's no way out for Geralt in whatever the situation is. And Gunter apparates out of thin air and says, Geralt, I can get you out of this, you just have to ask. And, and that is just this setup, and as soon as you do, he brands you, and now you owe him a debt. And he's just this incredibly powerful being who can stop time and manipulate the world around him, but he has to have you do these tasks. And that power, and with that power comes just, just disregard for human life. There's a situation where you're in a tavern, and he's speaking with you, and somebody interrupts him, and he frees time, takes a spoon and shoves it in his eye, steps back, unfreezes time, the person falls down, and he just keeps talking. This just absolute monstrosity, right? He, he, he just does not care for human life because he sees himself above it all. And this power he has allows him to just do what he wishes. And his what his role is in this world is he grants people wishes. But he knows that people really don't know what they want. And if you want something, you better sit, ask it in the right way because I'm going to change and manipulate the things that you're wanting in a way that shows this isn't what you really wanted in this really interesting way. And I think characters that have that much power and are just so mysterious and interesting in a way that we never learn anything more about this character other than that he's this big evil creature... Mm -hmm. Um, makes him really compelling and really interesting um, in a way that I think only care, only villains, only antagonists like that can be when they have this immeasurable amount of power that there's no way you can hurt them. And if they wanted to end you, they could in a moment, but they need you for something and they need you to do something maybe you don't want to do, but you don't have a choice. It's, it's just really interesting and compelling. Yeah, when you're forced to team up with someone that is just so against your moral code and what you're doing, you know is probably wrong in some way, shape, or form, but you have to do it. That's like... Yeah, it leads to great characterization and great storytelling for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm kicking myself. I never played the DLC for Witcher 3. I beat The Witcher 3, but I think by the time I beat it, I was so burnt out. <laughs> They're such a so, long game. Yeah, yeah I was They're good. Really, They're I good. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed Witcher 3, but man, by the time I was done, I was like, all right, I need something else. Like, bad. Like, I was ready for anything. Um, again, no shade towards Witcher 3, but just a huge game, man. It was a big <laughs> game. Yeah. Um, but that is so interesting. I didn't even know about this character. And it, it sounds so cool to me that... I shouldn't say it sounds so cool. It sounds so interesting because, again, we have that, have that god complex. When someone all-powerful is just completely corrupts them in the point where they just feel like they can do whatever they want. Like, if I can manipulate time, oh my... Like, I can't even imagine what I would do with that power. I think at first I would have all these great, you know, moral, you know, high ground things I could use that power with. But you know the first chance you can get to use that power in a negative way. You get kind of that, that taste of... 
of power in that weird kind of sick negative way, it just becomes corrupting. And I, I truly, truly believe that. Gontaro Dim is such an interesting character from the sounds of it. And again, I haven't played this yet because they are so far gone from the power that they have, um, which is again, super compelling. I'm very curious why they need Geralt. If they can stop time and do all these crazy things, why they need Geralt to yeah. help them. Yeah, it's really it must be frustrating for, for Gontaro in that regard and to need someone else when they are so powerful. I would be very frustrating, it sounds like. But Eric, I'm so excited. Please tell me <laughs> <laughs> your last honorable mention, your last. So hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> I'm here. I'm Originally, here. I was gonna put Bowser because Bowser's just like the quintessential bad guy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But you never know Bowser's intentions. Why does he want Peach so badly? Why does it seem a little bit creepy that he wants this person so badly? What is his intention? Is it really PG rated? I don't know. Probably the point not. is this though. Probably not, but we just don't know, and that's why it's hard to put him as this compelling villain because you just don't know the intentions. You don't like you don't know why he wants the princess so badly. But whose intentions do we know? That's pretty downright and despicable. Did you say Gruntilda? Because you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> and what's so interesting about Gruntilda? It's like, and we touched on this in the, in the episode that we covered for Banjo and, Banjo and Kazooie, is that Gruntilda is almost like a reflection of our society in the sense of what does it mean to be beautiful, and how far would you go? to be beautiful and we see that man sorry guys again in our society it's almost like video games are just like a a a, a extension of our culture in some way i mean in a sense (laughs) you're right yeah i mean as funny as that is like you're totally right so through gruntilda we see that she is willing to take away the beauty of banjo's sister whose name i forget off the top of my head um oops but he, she's willing to steal that beauty from her and just totally ruin this young girl's life to make herself beautiful. And I think through that, I mean, this game is silly and, you know, and fun and like, has really no intention of teaching you things, I think. But if you look at Gruntilda, you see the desperation and her desire to be beautiful because she feels not beautiful. And look how mean her, her nice, quote-unquote, sister is. Like, Gruntilda's made a lot of poor choices, don't get me wrong. Of all those facts that her little, like, you know, god-fairy sister tells Banjo and Kazooie are true, they're pretty awful. But her sister also bashing her doesn't help the situation at all. Like, So I feel I feel like Gruntilda always had a bad rep, always, never was taught like the proper way to, to maybe do something or to, you know, to be a, you know, a better person for herself and others. And now we see this person who's, who's desperate to do anything to be quote-unquote beautiful. And that's a very dangerous and scary thing as we see in Banjo Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie. <laughs> but, Ryan, what do you think? Am I going too far with this? Am I, am I taking this into a, too weird of a territory for a Banjo-Kazooie game? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think, like I said, all these games, all these characters are... The reason that they're compelling is because we can tie them to our real world. And we've seen these individuals exist in our world or the idea of these individuals exist in our world and that's what makes them interesting that's what makes them compelling Mm -hmm. is because we know that versions of these individuals exist maybe not an individual who can stop time but like an individual with lots of power who does what they don't want and don't really care or are no longer connected to human lives so no I, i think there is no no you shouldn't feel bad or you shouldn't pull back at all because i think that's that's what we're here for yeah i think so i mean and again there's nothing wrong with the plastic surgery but like you know, there are some stories that look nothing like they did years prior. And that's that's scary because there are good things about that, the way that person looked. I think people would agree. You know, But the fact that that person felt so compelled and the fact that they weren't beautiful enough that they get changed to be better in a significant, like, multiple surgeries kind of way, that's, I don't know, I find that really sad. Not, a, I, not in like a, you're a pathetic sad, but it's like sad that you, that person had to feel that way to go so far to change themselves it just feels really 
really sad. And and I feel that way with Gruntilda as, you know, quote unquote, gross and disgusting as she is. And again, she's done a lot of gross things, apparently. I feel for her. I really feel for her as a character that she has to go so far as to steal someone else's beauty and ruin their life to make hers better because she sees herself as unbeautiful. And that's really sad. And she ends up as a pile of bones in the second game. And that's really unfortunate. Through these actions, that could have been prevented if someone just said that she was beautiful. So... <laughs> But you know, you live and you learn. You live and you learn. Yeah. You know? Or you, or you, you don't still... live and then you also might learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you try to someone's beauty and you, you don't live after that. You know, mm. that's what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so those are our, I mean, again, our yeah. list turned out, we talked about how we didn't feel very good about these lists going into this thing and our list turned out way better than I think we realized. <laughs> yeah. um, that's the power of perspective, right? It's awesome. Mm. Uh, so those are our our honorable mentions. Now we'll go to our the we pick two characters each that we felt were the most compelling villains in video games thus far. There'll be much more later probably in the future that we'll cover, but these these four that we've compiled are like ones that really stuck out to us as like and actually they're all ones we've covered in a podcast so far. So that's actually pretty mm-hmm. perfect. We can yeah. all spoil the heck out of these because if you listen to us, <laughs> you've already heard it or you probably already played it. So that's great. So spoiler, major spoiler alert. Yeah. If you've gotten to this point, we've been talking about multiple games you've already covered. So if you haven't listened to all our episodes, what are you doing? Pause this and go best into all the other episodes if you can. Um, or don't. You know, live your life, whatever. Uh, we're about to spoil some games. So, Ryan, I went on a huge tangent, as usual. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> of your two compelling characters, who will you pick? I think I'm going to start with... Hmm. I think I'm going to start with the one that I, I know we've covered, and I'm not worried about spoiling, because my second one, there are some spoilers in the game. We've only covered the first version, not the second version. Oh, so I'm, okay. s- oh I'm backpelling now. <laughs> oh, sorry, <there's> I. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start with um, the G-Man. And the reason I find the G-Man so compelling, and similarly why I feel Gunter Odim so compelling and some of these other characters, is the G-Man is this incredibly mysterious, powerful individual. We do not know all the things he can do. We do not know why he is doing it. We do not know if it is for good or if it's for individual or personal gain. But we just know he's pulling the strings in some way, and he is able to manipulate the world around him in a way that is far outside what we thought was even possible that power and omnipresence where he obviously seemingly is able to just appear and watch you at any time and is changing the world around him in a way that it he could tear the whole world down but he's very specifically doing something and that's the specificity of it is what makes it so compelling to me that he is doing something that he has planned and he can make happen in a way that nobody else knows, at least within the context of the game, what's going on. At the end of Half-Life, when that character walks toward the screen and says that speech to you, to me, that just hooked me so much to want to know everything about this character, what they're doing, why they're doing it, in a way that has never happened to me in a game since. That it, it just caught me, and I still get chills listening to his speech just because it's it's just so mysterious and compelling and interesting. That's so cool. And I love, I love that even after all this time, the G-Man is still not known very well in, in, the, in his actions or what his intentions are, which is just like literally like I, probably the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest mystery in video games today. Like that is such a long-running mystery. So the intentions of the G-Man... Um, Ryan, you told me recently, and there's no spoilers at this point, that Half-Life Alex kind of like changes everything for the, the storyline of Half-Life, which is super interesting. I can't wait to get to that point where we talk about it. Um, but again, just goes into that crazy area as what the G-Man can and cannot do and the seemingly infinite possibilities 
he's creating in, in this little game that he's playing with, with people in their lives. So interesting, compelling. Like such a, and he's such a, I love his design because for this person that's so omnipresent and powerful and just like this godlike figure, he just looks so normal. He's like this, 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 this normal guy in a business suit carrying a briefcase. And like, it's just, and that's just so, um, it reminds me of that classic, uh, I don't want to say it's Lance Morissette, but I don't think it's right. Uh, what if God is one of us? You know, <laughs> just a stranger yeah. on a bus. And that's yeah. what G-Man reminds me of. Like, he's just such yeah. a, such a relatable character, uh, physically, but, you know, mentally, emotionally, so much more complex than any, any other character. He's the antagonist. He's the one putting consequences or he's putting issues in front of us as a character. And he is this villain in this world in some way. But he is certainly not the main villain. He is not the one that we're constantly fighting. But he is the one that anytime something happens, he shows up and he's in some way, even though we had no idea, he in some way orchestrated it happening. That just makes it, you question every single thing that's happening in the game in just an interesting way. Yeah, but... G-Man, he's so cool, and I want to know more about him like everyone else in the world. <laughs> but Eric! <laughs> Come on, Valve. Like, yeah. Not only do you need to make us voices in Portal 3 as a portal gun, we would be so good. I, It started as a joke, but Ryan, I swear to you, if we became <laughs> voices of a portal gun in Portal 3, I would be so... I think we could kill it. I think we really could do a, such a great job back and forth. Uh, Gabe. You know what you need to do. Hire us as voice actors. You know you need to. And come on, finish up half life. Tell us what the G Man's doing. Come on, we need that special sauce, you know? But no, I think it's just it's very again, like the one of the longest running mysteries of video games and how how crazy is that? That's just so that's it's amazing to keep that secret for so long. So once it does come out, I I, I worry for them because that's such a monumental and that's an understatement task to fulfill for fans as to what the G Man's doing. It's that's a little scary. It's probably why that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never understand. He's so omnipresent and powerful. He don't know what he's actually yeah. going to do ever. So, well, good first one, Ryan. That was a really good one. Thank um, you. Yeah. I'll try to try to match you mm. in, in compelling villains with my first one that I'll pick. And oh man, which one should I pick? I don't know. I guess I, I, I'm going to go in my order. I think my order is pretty good. Um, I'm going to start with Andrew Ryan, one that I think one of the quintessential compelling villains. And what makes Andrew Ryan so good as a villain, as a compelling villain, is that he is 1,000% in belief of his ideals and his vision of the world and that everybody else is wrong. No gods, no men. I'm sorry, <laughs> I butchered that. No gods, no kings, only man or men. I forget the exact word, which is not true. Uh, Andrew Ryan, there's also females. You, know, you got to be inclusive here. It's 2021. Um but what's so interesting about him is that Rapture is this idea, I mean, I think essentially based on the American dream. You know, you create your own destiny and through your actions and how hard you work, and that's what Rapture is. And even when Rapture, you know, quote-unquote dies, you know, and Rapture becomes this dystopia for, you know, uh, the splicers and, and kind of the, the, the craziness that happens in that world, um, I would even argue... I was reading a lot of things online about Andrew Ryan and how, like, when Rapture falls, his dream falls too. But I would actually, I, from my perspective, I would actually um, fight against that ideal. I think, if anything, his dream increases, if not becomes stronger, when Rapture falls. Because that, again, is Spicers fighting for their right to get Eve or Adam. Adam? Yeah. To get Adam to survive. And, and I would say that, again, is the American quote-unquote dream of pulling yourself up through your own boot, from your own bootstraps 
to survive, you know, over others and to, to gain uh, so others can have less in, in a sense and that regard for, for rapture. And I, so I think Andrew Ryan, and, and what makes him so interesting that he dies still believing this. He is so unwavering in his resolve to create this utopia where you can make whatever you dream if you put the effort into it. And that's why he's so interesting. He's so compelled by these motives that he dies by them. He dies for them. You know, he is so invested in this that he allows, you know, remember, spoilers, uh, he allows the main character to kill him, kill him through, the, through these ideals because he knows he is lost, you know, and he, he even allows this to happen to him because he knows that he, is, he has been bested and, and that he will go down with his pride. It's just so compelling. It's so interesting. And you just want to know more about him, but at the same time, he's pretty awful too. Let's be honest. He's a pretty bad guy. Um, but again, just so interesting. Just so interesting. Um, Ryan, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you agree with that? Do you, feel like the, do you feel like Rapture continued his dream even after it fell? Or do you feel like his dream failed at that point? Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting about Rapture is that was always going to be an outcome in some way because if you're if you're eventually it all devolves down into like you said the strongest the smartest only they should you know bathe in the fruits of their spoils which is a gross Mm -hmm. use of imagery i guess but um (laughs) yeah i I think i think that that is the beauty of that narrative is that rapture was this ideal of what happens when everyone is allowed to own what is theirs and eventually, if everyone's allowed to own what's theirs, they're going to take from others, and, and that's what happens. Even the fall of Rapture happened in a way that was totally fitting for Rapture. Somebody outsmarted mm-hmm. Andrew Ryan and out, outplayed him, and it was in that that he kind of broke down. Um, but it, I think, like you said, what's most compelling about Andrew Ryan is that he chooses to die by these ideals. He commands and he is in control of everything including how he dies and who kills him in what situation in just a really interesting and compelling way that 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 character rapture i think is oftentimes thought of as a character but it feels like an extension of andrew ryan in that way that it is this is his creation and everything there is 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 so quintessentially andrew ryan but yeah I, i think that's really interesting an argument of after it falls that it's a continuation but yeah i would agree with that yeah, I mean, I read a lot of articles that were saying that his dream failed, and 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 in this, I mean, from a perspective, from a perspective, I can see that from what you're saying, Ryan. Like when you're when you're only individualistic, looking out for yourself, that that dream will often fail those, you know, striving for it, but it's still succeeding for other people. So is that dream truly dead? I would say no. Um, but storygoers, perfect chance to try to prove me wrong with perspectives and a free sticker. Um, not to sound desperate. <laughs> um, but it's just, again, super compelling uh, character. And the fact that, like, yeah, Fontaine plays his game better than Ryan, Andrew Ryan does himself. And he's the one that created this world, you know, created Rapture. And I think he knows that. I think he, I think he feels bested by Fontaine by the time he dies. But again, he is the master of his own life. So he will not go down unless he goes down willingly himself and chooses to. So, I, say what you will about Andrew Ryan, how bad of a person he is, but the fact that he still follows his ideals and morals to the very end is is a weird, weirdly uh, good quality in a sense. I guess <laughs> like it's a it's a very um, interesting quality for one to have, but just really put into poor use through him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, so Ryan, your last 
compelling villain that you would yeah. like to touch on for this episode? Yeah, so I have person? kind of a two-parter here um, mm-hmm. because I think they are both really interesting in a lot of ways. Um, we're going to start with the non-spoiler version, which is Gladys from Portal. And I don't know, I, I, I seemingly picked all Valve for my most compelling. That is but so funny. Valve writes, Valve writes good good villains and good characters, I guess. But yeah. the reason I chose yeah. Gladys is because, like you said at the beginning, this character you love to hate. Gladys is this villain who is so driven to do one thing in specific, and that is to test. And because that is what they, she was designed to do, so that's what she's going to do. And through uh, through the narrative as she's talking to you and as you're interacting with Gladys, you are you want to keep interacting with her. You want to keep knowing more about her. You want to keep engaging with her. Uh, even as you hear of the atrocities that she's done with wiping out everybody in the lab and you know destroying this place so she continues to do what she believes is to be her purpose. Um, mm-hmm. She is laser focused on that and again like we've talked about with so many of these villains and so many of these ideas that desire to do that so strongly that nothing else matters is what ultimately makes her that villain that antagonist that doing evil to the world that's really interesting and what i what i think is uh, this really interesting arc in comparison is wheatley um from portal 2 and this is some spoilers for portal 2 everybody um we will cover this game it's a very good game maybe one of my favorite but just keep this in mind. This is spoilers for Portal 2, so jump ahead a little bit. Maybe five minutes should be fine so you can hear Eric talk about his his last one. But Wheatley is a character who, in the beginning of Portal 2, is this kind of dangus, really fun, again, masterfully written, written character act, portrayed by Stephen Merchant in a really amazing way. And over throughout the course of the game, Wheatley is put in a situation where he becomes all-powerful. And we, in real time, see Wheatley through this power become eviler and eviler as he is trying to do good, but ultimately, why do good when I can just do whatever I want instead with no consequences? And we see Gladys in this same aspect kind of taken from this powerful situation and put into this incredibly, this individual with no power has no agency in this situation. And I think that dichotomy, that switch, makes them both so compelling in seeing the rise of Wheatley becoming this great evil to the fall of Gladys and then again the rise of Gladys in a really interesting <laughs> way that makes these characters so compelling and makes them so complex. And I think I, they're just, yeah, I think I'm going to end it there. But yeah, just very yeah. good. I love these characters. Yeah, they're so good. And like... What I love about Wheatley, and it's been a while since I've played 402, so correct me if I'm wrong with this, um, if I remember this correctly, but you see Wheatley's change in real time. Yeah. He's like, wait, why would I do that? I should just do this in this way. It's way more effective and efficient. And you're like, and you should, and you're like well, you're not wrong, but you're also just putting me in a lot of jeopardy here. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, and so it's like you understand his perspective, but it's also, you know, jeopardizing to um, Shell in the game. So, but and then with GLaDOS, like, and again with Wheatley too, the way that they're programmed is how they're behaving. It's like a nature-nurture th- versus, like, you know, comparison. Whereas, like, um, you know, I would I would even go further if I, you know, and say that Aperture Science is the true villain of, of <laughs> yeah. the, in a sense, because, like, they're the ones that are responsible. And I don't think they even meant to do this. But at the same time, their goal was to progress science. And, um, or what, what was the, what was the, spoilers again, what was the person who ran Aperture Science who started it? Oh, it's his name in the game. Cave so Johnson? Bad. 
Tank Johnson, played by J.K. Simmons, did such a <laughs> yeah. great job. He yeah. might be the true villain. Even though he never, I don't think, intended to be a villain. But no. His goals, he wasn't a good person, I don't think, either. Like, uh, I mean, as good a person, like, as the person who runs a company and is willing to sacrifice unwanted amount of lives. I mean, in the end, he's, um, yeah. like, paying people who've lost their home to, like, go through these tests for 20 bucks just because he wants yeah. to see these tests done. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's a great person. But, again... His arc is also really interesting, where he goes from this powerful character to, like, laid low. And in that sex moment when he's laid low is when he creates Gladys, which then is... It's just this really great theme of gaining this power and this desire to do good in the world. Ultimately, if that is your only goal, is to do good, there are people who are going to lose and be hurt. Because, yep. like we, like you said, one person's good, one thing that is good for lots of people is really bad for other people in some ways, and that is not an attainable goal. Yeah, it really, yeah, it's hard, because then if the, these poor storygoers and us two are going to walk up like, oh my god, is, am I doing a good thing or a bad thing, or how is this going to affect everybody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard, it's hard, it's really hard. You, you have to, you know, be confident in your decisions, I think, but then also be accepting of the consequences or that those consequences are good or bad because they can't be either good or bad um but you know gladys and wheatley are just i i almost find them as like gladys is hard to uh connect with or understand their, their perspective until i think the second game you really deep dive into what, Gla- what gladys is and, and who they are and um, and Wheatley's so funny and so good. And I almost feel like Wheatley, you know, spoilers again, Wheatley's like a, a tragic character in that regard, in their programming and, and what becomes of Wheatley. Uh, it, it's really sad in a sense because like you really, I mean, I really connected with Wheatley in the beginning of that game. I really liked Wheatley to see his change and, and, and the power that he, he gains. And, and it's just, it, it's almost heartbreaking to see that happen to him because you, I, I really liked him a lot, so... Um, really sad. It's really sad. Again, power is corrupting. Don't be powerful, people. We all need to just share our power equally. <laughs> yeah. Just compromise. You know, it, just, it takes that one bad apple to just want more power and it ruins everything. To heck with you, Jerry. You know I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, we've arrived. I yes. want to hear it. <gasps> okay. You're, you you you're... see it, but I will tell you. I'll Bless, tell you. I know. I can actively see it. <laughs> So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be the audience here. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Thank you. You're, you're good. I, I, I appreciate it. So my last villain. Very good. Most, I'm sorry. My last com- compelling villain in video games on my list is the Fireflies from The Last of Us. And it's so. What makes it the Fireflies so interesting is that when you begin the game of The Last of Us, um, they are this you know anti-government group that's you know always going against. Um, kind of the, the the structure of the world after this this um, kind of po- apocalypse happens in a sense, um, but you learn obviously in the beginning of the game uh, if you play it obviously that uh, you know their goal is to create a cure and and they have Ellie as the person that's going to give them that cure and as you go through the game the fireflies become this you know obviously compelling goal because like through traveling across the united states joel and ellie will essentially get to the people that could save the world create a cure and save the world but then we see again what we talked about through doing a good thing can lead to bad consequences for other people or hurt other people through the fireflies and again spoilers you probably already heard our episode because obviously your story goers you like those new those podcasts that's great if you haven't played the game i highly recommend that you skip this part 
you know, we learn the Fireflies intend to sacrifice Ellie to save the world. So to, to, to kill one to save all is the, their mentality here. And through that perspective, you know, they're not wrong. They are saving, you know, millions of lives through, you know, hopefully sacrificing Ellie to get this cure that's in her brain. Um, and they don't even know for sure they can get this cure from her, but it's the risk that they're willing to take because the stakes are so high. But then from Joel's perspective, they are killing someone, you know, unknowingly sacrificing their lives because Ellie doesn't know. We don't think Ellie knows that she, you know, I don't think, does she know? I don't think she knew. No, no, she didn't. Um, you know, so, you know, Joel realizes that Ellie has no idea what she's sacrificing to do this, wasn't intending to give her life, and that, to him, was was wrong. That's not, that's not just, that's not being helpful. And, you know, he, he wipes out the fireflies. He kills them all, um, essentially. So what makes the fireflies so interesting, interesting is that, you know, you literally, it just depends on your perspective. They could be the heroes of the world or they could be just the, the worst people ever to sacrifice a young girl to, for, you know, selfish reasons. And that's what makes them so compelling is that your perspective is everything with the fireflies and how you see them in this world. You know, are their actions justifiable or not? And that's what it comes down to. It's very simple. Like, is this cure worth the life of one person? And I think some people will say yes and some people would say no. Um, obviously we see that, you know, the fireflies agreed with that, you know, to sacrifice. And we see that Joel said no. And we see those perspectives play out together, which is so interesting, you know, and, and then, you know, if you play the last of us two and no spoilers for that, I'm not talking about that. You see the outcomes of those, of of that conflict. You see the outcome of those perspectives when they clash and what happens with that and the consequences that come from that. It's so interesting, compelling, um, you know, because you, you never truly know when your actions will come back to haunt you whether those actions were justifiable or not. Um, because again, your good actions could lead to bad consequences. And that's what's so good about The Last of Us in that regard. And that's why the firefighters are so compelling in, in as a you know villain and or a hero, depending on your perspective. But Ryan, do you agree with this? Do you think the firefighters are villains? Or do you feel like they were the heroes of the game? Yeah, Maybe Joel is a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it's, it's, it's totally perspective-based. There is... The fireflies are the symbol of hope for so many. They they mean salvation for so many individuals, and unfortunately, that salvation would just happens to run up against the one person who is not willing to sacrifice someone they love because they've already lost someone they love, and they're not going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like so many of the others, the fireflies is such a good choice. Like so many of the other villains we talked about here is they have this ideal, this hope, this story that they are telling people, we will find a cure, we will be here to save you, we will be here to help you. But when that is taken to the extreme and people's lives are kind of forfeit to achieve that goal, somebody sees you as the villain then at that point. Somebody then sees that that calculation is not worth it. That, that loss of life is not worth whatever goal may be, which makes them so interesting. Yeah. I think I think like you said, they could be a hero, they could be a villain. This is this this sacrifice one to save Benny is a very, very old question that's been asked for a very, very long time. And I just do not know if there is a right answer um to it. And I think that's what makes that such an interesting question and such a genius way, a genius narrative or plot point for that story, um, to to push up against. Because again, there's 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 really there's there's really no right answer because that one is everyone is everything to one person and it just happened mm-hmm. to be Ellie was everything to Joel in this moment and he did that calculation and there was no other way it was going to go 
but yeah so that's our list of compelling villains i hope you liked it we, yeah. we hope you liked it yeah yeah um I think it turned out way better than I was anticipating, Ryan. It, it yeah, really I good. think I think it turned out really well. I was I was really unsure as I was adding the, these lists, but I think we picked some really great, interesting characters. And again, with every single one of these, we connected them to what makes them compelling is that we can connect them to these real life analogs, or we can connect them to these ideas that are something that we can all kind of we've all experienced or can imagine experiencing in, in such an interesting way. Which is because video games are just uh, an extension of our culture and. Is all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really are, which is a beautiful thing, which mm-hmm. I think yeah. video games should get more credit for. Yeah, you know, as a mm-hmm. as a medium for that, I think it's mm-hmm. very very cool. So, yoers. Yeah. So hopefully, you enjoyed this episode, Storygoers. Uh, next week, we're kind of switching things up a little bit because our schedules are kind of everywhere right all now. Kinds of we're kind of yeah, we've been, we struggled a little bit in March to keep up. Um, we did a good job though. Really, yeah. Good. I really <laughs> I was I was yeah. Third times in March, that it felt like a struggle, but it see it must have went okay. Because we did well. <laughs> yeah, we did really well, yeah. And, and I will say, too, I need to apologize on my behalf because Fury didn't come, Fury came out late last mm. week. So sorry again, Storygoers. I'm going to try our best to get out on time, but sometimes, you know, life gets in the way. So one day, if you ever do this full-time, it'll be much better. But in the meantime, you can't have to, you know, put up with us. I did, a little still disclaimer did. in our Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> it still did really well. It still did really well. Yeah, it really did, yeah. Like, you can see... It, it matches our typical, if not, it actually did better than our typical yeah. Oh, yeah. Sun, or Monday ratings, which is cool. Um, but yeah, regardless. Um, so so next week will be a bedtime story rather than a normal episode. Um, and we are going to go with the story of Star Fox 64. It's a sci-fi a story of a, of a fox that flies a spaceship along with his partners. It's a falcon, a hare, and a toad. <laughs> toad is kind of annoying, too. Slippy's kind of annoying. But it'll be fun. It'll be, a lot of, it'll be a good time. Um, it's a game I loved as a kid. Uh, I love playing Star Fox 64. Actually, I have it still. I mean to play it. I really should play it. So um, it's a game you can beat literally in like an hour. So it's perfect. <laughs> Easily digestible. Um, so if you're a fan of Star Fox 64 and you don't want to fall asleep to it, boy, do I have the episode for you next <laughs> Monday. <laughs> so... So hope you enjoy that, and then we will announce. Uh, it'll be a poll. Social media. Yeah, it'll yeah. be a poll for you yeah. guys to help us choose the third game this month, um, yes. which will go, will go out on the seventeenth. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, no, it'll it'll yeah. go out on the we we record it. It will go out on the nineteenth. Um, this episode, yeah, yeah, this episode will go out on the fifth. The bedtime stories will go out on the twelfth. Um, if everything goes according to plan, um, the one you're voting for will go up the nineteenth, and then the twenty sixth. We will be having uh, another guest. I'm still lining the guests up. We should mm-hmm. have another guest for the 26th. It's been our, our it's been a while since we had a guest on the show, so yeah, it's been very them. exciting. I miss those guests. Yeah, we miss them. I'm I'm hopeful for the guest that's coming and um, <laughs> the, the game that they'll bring. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so uh, look forward to that story, Gores. Um, if you have any thoughts, feelings, or perspectives, you know how to send it to us. All the easier threes: Tales from the Cartridge <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, also, Twitter, Instagram, DM us or comment on our post. Let us know what you think. Let us know your perspectives uh, on the games you're covering. We will know uh, our game coming out on the 19th through a poll this coming week that mm-hmm. you they'll be able to vote on. Um, I don't think I don't even know the games yet, so I'm excited to see what poll we put. Yeah. I'll vote too, <laughs> as I always do. Um, and then you also get a guest on the episode coming out on the 26th. And we'll probably I don't know if we'll do a poll or not. We'll we'll talk to the guests and yeah. see what they want to do. And um, but yeah, so hopefully Story Gorge, you're doing well. You're happy and healthy, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.